1: Hey, guys. I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Friday. (laughs) Yeah, we made it through another week in Biden's America. Congratulations. We made it barely, but we still made it. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Check me out on social media, on Instagram. I am at Monica Crowley underscore. I love my Instagram account. I never thought I would. I hated it when my friends set it up for me, but now I love my Instagram account. So there you go. Check it out, at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and through social, those accounts are also pure fire, if I do say so myself. So if you're not following me there, you're also missing out, at Monica Crowley at Monica Crowley, and also by email at monicacrowleypodcast at gmail.com. Keep those emails going. We're going to get to yours at the end of the show. So I know, you know, we've been a little uh, little lax here on the listener emails, but we're going to get back to them at the end of today's show. All right, this weekend, Super Bowl Sunday. I hope you guys enjoy the big game. I know I will. I have no dog in this fight. So I'm a New York Jets fan, I know, I know, I know, (laughs) I know. Um, You guys can send me emails telling me how sorry you feel for me, and I will gladly accept those emails, (laughs) okay? Um, They are not in the Super Bowl. I don't think they have been in a Super Bowl for, well, many decades, but we won't talk about that. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the game. I hope Philly fans do not burn down the city AJ, I'm looking at you. Um, I hope you guys have a really fun weekend uh, with your friends, hanging out, watching the big game, chowing down. I know I'm going to do all of that. All right, next week, some big things coming up. I want to take apart some of the hearings going on on Capitol Hill, particularly the Twitter free speech hearings. There are some big points that I want to make about this. That's coming up next week. Also next week, We're going to get with some really interesting guests. A new congressman from Tennessee who's totally America first and really phenomenal. A major player in Europe where they're far ahead of us on the globalist great reset. He's going to tell us what is coming our way. We need to be prepared. And the Hunter Biden laptop OG. John Paul MacIsaac, the guy who owned the PC shop where Hunter left that crazy-ass laptop. They're all going to be here, so you're not going to want to miss a minute of the Monica Crowley podcast. Okay, today, a very special and important guest is coming up, and we're going to get to your emails, as I mentioned. Well, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to have with us today former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Prior to serving at the State Department, Secretary Pompeo graduated first in his class from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. So you can tell he's a real dummy. He served as CIA director and as a member of Congress representing Kansas' fourth congressional district. He's written a very important new memoir, just published, called Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America I Love. It's available now wherever you get your books. Mr. Secretary, welcome back.
0: Monica, it's great to be back with you. Uh, Thanks for having me on to talk about uh, a, a book that I hope folks will pick up and read and actually laugh a little and enjoy, too.
1: Well, it's a fantastic book. First of all, it's great to have you back on the show. And as I mentioned to you before we came to air... I did want to congratulate you on Never Give an Inch because I've read a lot of political memoirs and it is very difficult to write policy oriented books with a sense of humor, with a sense of honesty, um, and, and really inject life into things that happened in the past. And you do it with great grace and real elegance and honesty.
0: Well, that's very kind. Thank you.
1: Well, I, I commend it to everybody. Everybody has to take a look at this book. Go get it now. Um, And this, you know, what struck me also about this book, Mr. Secretary, is that it it is an incisive look into policy, both as a look back to your time in the Trump administration, of course, but it's also a roadmap for the future, which is also what makes it so important And we're going to get into some of these issues. Before we jump into the book, I do want to get your reaction to the Chinese spy balloon being permitted by the Biden administration to just casually surveil the entire country, including some of our most sensitive military and nuclear sites for over a week.
0: Monica, you know, it, it's it's timely for us to be talking about that against the backdrop of never give an inch. So here it comes across the Aleutian Islands. Uh, it's a balloon the size of a couple of buses. It's got a big array of electronics on it. I don't know exactly what they were, And the Biden administration says, nope, we're not going to do anything about that. Uh, In the same way, they don't stop our things from coming across our southern border. Uh, And the Chinese are saying it's a weather satellite. Remember, they told us that the Wuhan virus wasn't going to kill anybody either. Known liars. And I I can't for the life of me figure out why they didn't shoot it down immediately before it had the chance to collect against the United States of America. One of their arguments was, well, we don't want to have any debris hit but as I talk about Never giving Inch, there's always risk trade-offs in every decision. The book was a practitioner's guide to how you think about these issues and the risk of what they might've collected weighed against uh, the risk of people on the ground. This was an easy decision at the front end in these sparsely populated areas. And I can't figure out why it took some uh, folks with cameras looking up in the sky in Montana to ultimately convince the Biden administration that allowing the Chinese to penetrate our airspace made any sense at all?
1: The CCP and PLA's objective here, uh, twofold, as far as I can see, obviously to gather and transmit intelligence back to Beijing and gauge our response, which the Biden administration has failed abysmally, but also to openly mock U.S. weakness under a president they largely control. So do we have a sense, Mr. Secretary, of the extent of the damage to our national security by a balloon like this? What kind of information could they have gathered?
0: Monica, it it could be a wide range of data. It could be very significant. I've heard some folks say, well, it doesn't matter. They have satellites. Trust me, as the CIA director, if I could fly a balloon across China at 60,000 feet for five days, I would have taken that deal in a heartbeat not only Mm -hmm. images that you can get from satellites, but all kinds of other technical collection that could have been taking place there. I don't know, but make no mistake about it. This was intentional. There's a reason that they chose what they knew we would have seen, right? They, there's no chance they thought, oh, we're gonna fly this big old balloon across at a handful of miles an hour and the Americans aren't gonna detect this. They knew we would detect it. And this gets to your bigger point about damage to the United States of America. They now have seen our response model, They've watched a president who said a minor incursion into Ukraine would be okay. They've watched a president who allowed 13 Americans to be killed in the debacle in Afghanistan. They've now watched him allow them mock us by flying this balloon. Make no mistake about it. I was talking to some folks just yesterday around the world. They're asking the same question. My goodness, you're our partner and ally. President Biden says he's going to defend Taiwan. He won't defend Montana.
1: Right.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a little oversimplified. I get it. But make no mistake about it. The whole world saw and was puzzled by the inability of America to protect its basic sovereignty. That's not good. The deterrence model that, you know, from Nixon and Reagan, the idea of peace through strength was fundamentally put at risk by allowing this to go on for days and days and days.
1: You know, whenever I see an episode of like of of something like this, Um, some sort of probing activity by one of our enemies. It calls to mind one of the opening scenes in Jurassic Park. I don't know (laughs) if you ever saw that movie, but early on in the movie, there are some small dinosaurs that approach the fence and they begin to pick at the fence and they're probing and probing to see what the reaction might be before The bigger dinosaurs and all of them overrun the entire fence. And when I see situations like this, it's obvious that the CCP, the PLA, but also our adversaries around the world are probing the United States. They're probing the Biden administration. They're seeing how far they can go because they have much bigger and darker, more nefarious things planned. And if we're not going to retaliate against something like this in a meaningful way, then they know they can take full advantage. Which I, I assume, is why Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, correct?
0: Monica, I think that analogy, the Jurassic Park analogy is a good one. I always think about it from my time as a young lieutenant where we would talk about they're going to push the bayonet into you until they meet steel. And I think about and never given an what we did when confronted by adversaries who were pushing. Uh, you know, two quick examples. I tell the story. The Russians were coming across the Euphrates River. Uh, And they thought maybe they could do it. We had Americans on the other side of that. Uh, And when they did, we took out 300 folks from the Wagner group. That established that we were going to defend the things we said we would defend. When the Iranians had taken down two American UAVs and were pushing, you'll remember this, Monica, you were a great patriot serving alongside us in the Trump administration. When the Iranians were coming after our embassy in Baghdad and Qasem Soleimani was traveling from Beirut, to Damascus, to Baghdad, trying to kill even more Americans, we stopped him. We used American power. We didn't send the 82nd Airborne. We didn't go fight some long extended war. We used the best of American power to defend the things that really mattered and deter our adversaries. I'm afraid that President Biden doesn't understand that basic concept and that the Chinese will continue to probe and push and create even more risk for the American people.
1: Or President Biden understands it very clearly and just disregards it. Yeah, also which possible, is even worse. Right. Yes. Right. Even worse. And to be clear, Mr. Secretary, there were no such Chinese surveillance balloons during the Trump administration, correct?
0: I uh, I've talked, I certainly was unaware of any. I think as CI Director and Secretary of State, I would have been. I've also talked to almost <laughs> yeah. all of my I've also talked to almost all of my former colleagues. None of us remember a balloon, three buses big over uh, over Montana and South Carolina uh, seems unimaginable unless the military knew it and didn't tell us that equally seems unlikely to me.
1: Well, given what we know about leaks in the Trump administration, I <laughs> yes, think if precisely. there
0: were
1: like <laughs> <laughs> this massive Chinese spy balloon, I think first of all, we would have known it within five seconds. And secondly, I think the Democrats in Congress would have impeached your old boss in about 10 seconds. Yeah, so
0: it would have been the third impeachment somewhere along the line. Yes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it is, it's pretty obvious that Biden will not press the CCP on Taiwan, human rights, IP theft, economic warfare, the origins of COVID-19. So how in the world can we expect him to confront China over a spy balloon, for kind out loud? Do you believe, given the extent of the very lucrative business deals between the Biden family and CCP-linked businesses and even Chinese intelligence, do you think that President Biden, our commander-in-chief is compromised? You
0: know, Monica, we we should raise back just a little bit. Think about all the officials that are around President Biden too, that made their living before they entered public service, uh, helping companies do business inside of China, and the deep connectivity between this administration and the biggest financial firms in America, that are also deeply connected to China. So this web, this uh, this dependence, this connectivity this uh, unwillingness to confront the Chinese Communist Party is even deeper and more insidious than what you're describing. I, I tell this story all the time. I was sanctioned on January 20th, uh, about noon, just as I was walking out of office in 2021. They didn't the Chinese Communist Party didn't sanction me, Monica, because of me. It didn't impact my life. They were sending a message to Jake Sullivan, to Wendy Sherman. They were sending a message to every American official who's serving at the most senior levels of our government, don't do what Trump and Pompeo did. Don't don't confront the Chinese Communist Party seriously, or we will deny you the capacity to make a living when you leave office. That is dangerous, and I hope and pray the Biden administration will figure out that this is too big and that the coercion that the Chinese Communist Party is using to leverage against them will be ignored. We haven't seen any evidence of that to date. I hope that this incident and some of the other things that are taking place today that, uh, that I'm aware of, will cause the Biden administration to understand that this is an enemy designed on hegemonic power. They want us to live more like them, Monica, and we can't let that happen.
1: Mr. Secretary, please hang tight. A lot more ahead. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. We're back with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. You know, during my years with President Nixon, we often talked about because I was pursuing my PhD at the same time I was working for him in national security and American foreign policy, and I would go to class at Columbia in the morning and then go see him in the afternoon. And he would say to me, so what did you learn in school today? <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> Mr. President, we we covered balance of power theory versus hegemonic stability theory. And he'd sort of look at me with a wry smile. And then he would say, uh-huh. All right. Well, I'm not so sure that Leonid Brezhnev had either one in mind when we were negotiating the first <laughs> SALT agreement, right? Uh, um, and,
0: yeah. and, and
1: you... You know, you have obviously been immersed in national security decision-making at the highest levels, both at the CIA and uh, the State Department. How do we proceed? Because we still have about two years left under Joe Biden. How do we proceed as a country with a commander-in-chief whose national security decision-making is that suspect?
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that Congress will do some good work if they can't change the policy, Monica, you know, this foreign policy is the purview of the commander in chief to a very, very significant degree. If they can't change the policy, the good work of the committee that uh, Congressman Gallagher is leading can make the awareness of the American people deeper and broader. And that that serves a very useful purpose. Not only does it share what's real and what threats are real to the United States, but it it will force the hand of the Biden administration as well. When the American people sense risk, I am confident they will demand that their leaders protect them from that risk. And so good oversight on the border will put pressure on the Biden administration to do better there. Good oversight on the rest of the Chinese Communist Party will force President Biden to actually get serious about this. I hope that they will do that. In the meantime, uh, those of us who are uh, no longer in service have a responsibility to continue to explain to the American people in simple terms with enormous clarity, and I hope I did that some in Never Give an Inch, the way we can practice good outcomes around the world that aren't about glo- chasing global interests, but about protecting the United States of America and its people. We, Monica, you were part of this. We, we shorthanded it America first, but it was so much deeper than that. We always knew that the mission set was to make sure that this remains the most exceptional nation in the history of civilization. We're counting on it here at home, The world counts on it, too.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Our allies, uh, most of all. Let's turn to what you cover in Never Give an Inch. And you cover so much, the whole sweep of your life and career and your faith, which I also want to ask you about. But let's start with um, the Trump years, which, you know, obviously you write extensively about in this memoir. You and President Trump had a true grasp on the state of the world and America's place in it. First question is, how did you approach the use of American power? And then the second question, which is related, is, you know, as with Nixon and Reagan, there was a real sense in the Trump years that the United States wasn't just an observer of the great game, but a proactive player in it, thinking and acting strategically to try to shape the 21st century world with regard to China, India, the Middle East, Europe, our hemisphere. How did you go about thinking and planning for a new long-term grand strategy?
0: Well, you can see that the uh, post-World War II set of understandings have in some ways begun to come unraveled. The the central thesis of international organizations serving the common good, uh, understandings about how economies could operate under these complex trade arrangements, they, they weren't serving the United States of America in a way that was important and good, and so we wanted to go fix them and, if need be, leave those institutions to put America in a better place. But it wasn't, Monica, about America alone. Uh, we built out the Abraham Accords with our partners. We built the Quad in Asia. We made NATO stronger, something no one will ever give us any credit for, goodness sakes. Uh, we, we were serious about using the tools of American dynamism, our economy, our creativity, our technology, not just our military power, to deliver good outcomes for the American people. And that's how we thought about it. We we never for a moment were naive. We knew there was evil in the world. Uh, I talked about it being a nasty, brutish place, kind of a take on the little bit of philosophy I had from West Point, from Hobbes. But it's a tough world out there. And America needs to be prepared to be tough as well. And we did that, all the while delivering good outcomes, not starting a single new conflict and getting a whole bunch of folks back so that we could do the right thing for the American people as well.
1: Has it been a bit disheartening to you to see the Biden team disregard so much of what you and President Trump and so many others in the administration achieved?
0: Yeah, I'm sure it has been for lots of folks who were serving uh, you know, uh, at the Treasury where you worked. So much of the good work we did on the economy, they've now squandered $6 trillion. The work that we did on the border, Monica, right? We, we we spent a lot of time down there. I was in Mexico a lot working on a set of policies that defended our southern border, only to have it ripped apart within hours of the Biden administration coming in now. I think the number is 4 million people across our border in just two years. I always think about that number and that my home state of Kansas is 3.3 3 million people. Uh, Yeah, it's been hard to watch, but not because of me, not because of my legacy or my achievements or what have you. It's hard to watch because the American people are less secure, will likely be less prosperous. There will be a ton of work for the next president who comes into office in two years to unwind what the Biden administration has done. Uh, It's achievable. It will happen. But it's been hard to watch them undo many of these policies, frankly, just because Trump and Pompeo did them.
1: It's so heartbreaking. And I know I I speak for myself, having served in the Treasury Department and getting the U.S. economy back on track, not once but twice, first when President Trump came in and then after COVID, of course. Um, It's just been absolutely heartbreaking, all of our hard work just cast out um, by this team. And that's why on election night, when they could not call the race For President Trump's reelection, I had this crushing sense because we all knew what was coming, right? I'm not sure any of us suspected it would be this bad, but we knew it was gonna be bad. Um, When you, you know, so many people uh, think of you as Secretary of State, you did an incredible job there. Not too many people um, sort of remember that you were CIA director. And I, I remember when you were going in, I remember thinking, oh, that would be the perfect job to be <laughs> Secretary Pompeo's chief spokesperson at the CIA because I'd have nothing to do because there's <laughs> there's nothing to say because it's That's the CIA. Right. <laughs> um, when you were there as CIA director, did you see how deeply politicized the intelligence community was?
0: Monica, my experience at CIA was different than the State Department. The State Department is a bureaucracy that is deeply lost when I came to CIA, they'd had my predecessor was John Brennan, and he had politicized that organization with a reorganization, and then the, they were part of the conspiracy around the Russia hoax. But the good news was it wasn't penetrated deep. And so there I was able to get the folks back in the game, the, the old model of the OSS, right? Put a dagger in your mouth, swim the river, go deliver good intelligence to the commander-in-chief and his cabinet officials. We were able to get that thing back in the right place in relatively short order. Uh, The State Department was fundamentally different. I I joke, I've led six or seven organizations in my life, starting with being the assistant manager at (laughs) Baskin-Robbins. I think I I left every one of those organizations better than where I found it. And I'm not sure I can say that about the State Department. Three unions, civil service rules, you can't fire anybody. You can't promote those that doing really good work and a Washington blob establishment that wanted to undermine the glass that we were trying to break in the Trump administration. Uh, this, This idea of the swamp or the deep state is real. Call it what you will. When bureaucracies are working against the duly elected president and his confirmed secretary of state or his confirmed secretary of treasury or attorney general, that is really dangerous for the country. And I saw it full on. And the next conservative president needs to confront this with Uh, an enormous might with enormous force and deliver a bureaucracy that actually conforms to what it is the American people have asked them to do.
1: Yes and unfortunately it's so deeply entrenched like you're saying when you were a CIA director or secretary of state you, you were a very powerful and wise and brilliant man but you're only one guy Right. And so there's only so much you can do. You know, I often tell the story, Mr. Secretary, and I'll share it with you here now, that President Nixon was very close to uh, former New York and late New York uh, Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who was a moderate, old school, classical liberal Democrat. They were very close because they were both intellectuals. And when Nixon came into office, Moynihan said to him, The guiding rule should be for any American president, you've got to reform the executive branch, root and branch, every generation every 20, 25 years or so, everything basically has to be raised to the ground and started again. And he said, we did it after World War II. We created the National Security Council. We reformed the security state. But he said, this needs to extend everywhere in the executive branch, because if you don't, the corruption and the rot are going to be so deeply entrenched. You're not going to be able to reform it. They will be irredeemable. And of course, we haven't. You know, Nixon was going to do this in his second term, which is why they were out to get him. I know President Trump had begun it, which is why, as you say, the deep state is real. They were out to get him too, um, because they'll stop anybody who tries. So, to your point, we need a president next time around who is extremely. Uh, smart and, and hip to what needs to happen, but also has the internal courage, the faith and the fortitude in order to get this done. Is that person you? <laughs>
0: uh, I certainly know the task that's in front of that next person, frankly, in a way that you can only know from being inside the machine, Monica. <laughs> you, you see it too. You know it's there, but until you're inside watching it, aghast, that you put down a directive and two weeks later, you got to go back and say, what what the blank happened? Why didn't that happen? And the answer is it got caught in the machine with great intention. Uh, I I think I know how to fix it. Uh, It will take enormous courage, as you described. It will have political costs. Uh, The media will howl about this. They will say, oh, you're firing people because of their political views or because of their ethnicity or their what what have you. Uh, be, Be determined, be right. Get your political team on the field fast. It's one of the things we did not get done in the Trump administration. When I became Secretary of State a year and a half into the administration, we still had holdovers from the previous administration working a year and a half in. Uh, that next leader, that next president's going to have to get on it uh, starting the uh, first week of November after the election and determined to show up in January with his or her team prepared to go crush it.
1: Uh, absolutely. And it's going to take enormous political will and strength and faith. Uh, because you're not going to be able to do this alone. The, and and as we know, the deep state strikes back in a million different ways. Okay, please stand by. More with Secretary Pompeo straight ahead. But first, I know that eating five healthy servings of fruits and vegetables a day can be really tough. Who has time to prepare that every day? I know I don't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens makes it easy to get the dietary recommended amount of fruits and veggies. Field of Greens is a science-backed formula of specific fruits and vegetables you won't find in any other product. Plus, proper nutrition reboots your metabolism, so you burn calories faster and lose weight a healthier way. And Field of Greens is the only brand backed by a better health promise – Yes, you'll look and feel healthier fast, but the greater proof comes at your next checkup when your doctor says, wow, you've lost weight. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. All right, let's get you started with 15% off your very first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. Again, that's fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. So you are clearly, you have said this publicly, um, thinking about creating an exploratory committee looking to run for the Republican presidential uh, nomination. What does your candidacy look like? What is the compelling reason, apart from your brilliant foreign policy background, of course, but what kind of case are you going to take to the American people? Why should they give you a serious look?
0: This is a, to your point, this is a time for seriousness. It's a time for determination. It's a time for folks with a demonstrated commitment to to this country with a deep understanding of our Judeo-Christian traditions and just bringing it back to the things that American families know are right. Uh, I hope that next leader, and and Monica, who who knows if uh, Susan and I will decide this is the right thing for us. Um, But if so, uh, it's gonna take eight years of focused leadership, it's going to take a leader with a absolute spine of steel because make no mistake about it. They came after President Trump, but they're going to come after the next person, next man up, right? This is this wasn't about Donald Trump quad Donald Trump. This was about an idea about American greatness that I have deep in my heart, and they'll come after any of us that make this case with a with a fearlessness that they know threatens the things that they have foisted on the American people for the last. goodness gracious. Uh, 16 years from the progressive left.
1: So our old boss, President Trump, is already running, and he has said that anybody from his administration running against him in a primary is disloyal. Your response to that?
0: Well, I'm deeply grateful to President Trump for the privilege that he gave me, but it's never disloyal to try and make America better. It's never disloyal to go out and make an argument and compete and in the case of an election, compete for the attention and the support of voters in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Uh, I, I know there'll be a whole bunch of folks who go do that. Uh, I was absolutely loyal uh, to the President of the United States. That was, that was my duty. Uh, when you're serving, that, that is your responsibility. It's your obligation. I, I stayed the course for four years. Others decided to do differently. I was committed to delivering what the people of America chose when they elected Donald Trump in 2016. But my, you know, I swore an oath to the country, uh, President Trump will go out, he'll compete, he'll make his case for being elected again in 2024, and there'll be a bunch of folks who'll present competing theories. And I hope it's a serious, thoughtful campaign, not about tweets, not about owning the libs, but about the policies that actually work to make this country so special.
1: Well, we certainly need a steady hand um, to pull America out and to restore us back to our greatness. Is it going to be, on a personal note, is it going to be a little weird for you to be in a field with? President, former President Trump, and then former Vice President Mike Pence, Nikki Haley. I know you've had some harsh words for Nikki Haley um, in Never Give an Inch. You talk about how she left the administration too soon. She quit. She didn't stick it out. Um, Is it going to be a little strange for you to take a look on a debate stage to your right and left and see your former colleagues?
0: Uh, I'm sure there'll be a moment of, hey, I was sitting next to you in a meeting. We were all pulling the same direction uh, enormous respect for, uh, the vice president. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure there'll be a little bit of, here we go. But if one makes that decision, if somebody decides to go, uh, make the claim that you ought to, that that person that you believe you should be the next president of the United States, you'll have to get past that awkwardness really quickly because, because, (laughs) because you, because you've made that choice and you have a duty to go lay out the argument for why the people of the United States ought to select you.
1: Yes, and the American people look at it and say, if you can't stand up to the person on your right or left on that stage, how are you going to tackle the CCP? No,
0: no true statement.
1: (laughs) Well, Governor DeSantis may may also get in and he could be a a very formidable candidate, too. So we shall see. Um, In our final moments here with you, Mr. Secretary, I want to talk to you about the role of faith in your life. I am a strong believer as well. I know you and Susan and your family are people of great faith. And I have often said on this show that this is a spiritual war. Whether you look at what the CCP is doing, what the World Economic Forum is doing, these transnational organizations, whether you look at the Grammy Awards last night with its overtly satanic um, performances. This is a spiritual war, and once you see it in those terms, you cannot unsee it. You see it everywhere. Do you view um, a lot of what is happening, both in the country and the world, that way?
0: It is. It is certainly the case that that the value set. Our founding, we were built on this Judeo-Christian idea of human dignity, of property rights, of decency, the fact that every human life matters. This is what the progressive left is trying to undermine. I've I've never given an inch I talk about this. The biggest risk isn't Xi Jinping or Vladimir Putin. It's it's Randy Weingarten. So yes, this fight, the head of the teachers unions, this fight is here. It is about what kind of nation are we going to be? What kind of people are we going to be? Are we going to have a federal government... That controls everything everyone does everywhere are we going to drive faith out of our central institutions are we are we going to deny people the capacity to practice their faith because we've got a virus going on and leave bars open no that's that's deeply inconsistent with our traditions here in america and xi Jinping is a committed atheist no religious freedom a million muslims being held in detention just because of their faith i watch religious freedom being denied here in america we, we have to take back these central institutions, focus them on their mission, and remind them that this is a noble and decent country. And when we do that, the left wants to call them culture wars, call them whatever, anyone, whatever you describe. But the capacity for America to deliver in the way that it has for 250 years for our kids, and I pray one day I'll have grandchildren, Monica, uh, depends on people of faith committed to delivering those outcomes for each and every one of us.
1: Yes. I mean, I didn't want to wander too deeply into theology here, but you do write about your faith. And I know you're a man of God. And, you know, I just did a series of shows with Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, Ah. who has written a book called The Return of the Gods, and he postulates that, look, right? Right. When you drive God out, you allow dark forces to come in. And that is unfortunately what we have allowed in America. And we need strong leadership to bring it back. So final question for you. I know you're a fighter. I know you're a natural optimist. Are you confident that we can bring this country back?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. I've had the incredible privilege to be out these last year and a half, uh, listening to folks all across the country. People are angry. They can see their kids being taught crap in schools, they can, they can see all of this taking place and they're going to go grab it back. I can feel it. So yes, I'm optimistic. There's the old line, the Winston Churchill line that says America always does the right thing after it exhausts all the other possibilities. Uh, (laughs) I think we are close to that. And I am confident the, uh, the American people will rise up in the way they have for so many times in times of trouble, and we'll get it back and leaders will rise up to help them get there as well.
1: Well, amen to all of that. The book is called Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America. I love It's now available everywhere. So please go get it. You will absolutely devour this book. And it's such an important roadmap for America and the leadership we need to get us there. Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for being here thank and you, Monica, for your, you. your, your long-standing service to our great country. Thank you and God bless you.
0: Bless you too. So long.
1: All right, we've got to hit this quick break, but we will be back with much more. But first, guys, think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check. Forget this, $247,000, and it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Monica to 989-898. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Again, text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit on gold, and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. With an a rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is the place to go to protect your future. Text Monica to 989-898 today. We're coming right back. All right, as we wrap up the show today, it is time now for the Friday email bag. I know you guys have missed the email segment so much. I've missed it as well. We've had these phenomenal guests on uh, the last couple of weeks and just really haven't had a chance to get to your emails, but emails are back. If you want to send me one, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. I read them all. I see them all. Even when we don't get to them on the show, keep them coming because shows like this, we do bring back the email segment. And I love hearing from you guys because I appreciate y'all. All right. Patricia in San Diego writes in with a very nice note. Hi, Monica. I recently started listening to your podcasts, and they are truly amazing. You are erudite, articulate, well-informed, and your delivery is perfect. I love your podcast about Hildebeest. That would be Rodham. And Hunter, the genius. Please keep it up and keep us abreast regarding John Durham and his investigation, please. Thank you. Well, Patricia, thank you so much for this very sweet email. I really appreciate it. And no, I did not pay Patricia to write those nice things. She just did that. And I am forever grateful. So thanks for being here. And I hope you're telling all of your friends, Patricia. Um, okay, John Durham. John Durham has been a major disappointment. We talk a lot on the show about the deep state and the deep state players. John Durham is clearly... Part of this whole deep state operation against Donald Trump, the America First movement, everything Trump did, and by extension, the rest of us. Okay? So here's what everybody needs to keep in mind when we think about John Durham. And so many of these other like investigations that have been swirling, everything from the Mueller investigation through the January 6th committee to now this special counsel looking into the classified documents and other things of Donald Trump. By the way, that, that special counsel, Jack Smith, who is also a deep state cutout, um, he subpoenaed Mike Pence. Just yesterday, subpoenaed Mike Pence in this ongoing investigation into Donald Trump, which will never end. They must destroy this man. They cannot believe he's still standing. All of these things are working together. It's all a giant deep state operation with many moving parts. The Mueller investigation was the cover-up for what the deep state was doing with regard to targeting Donald Trump, Mike Flynn, the people around him as Russian assets. The Mueller investigation was not some kind of search for the truth. The Mueller investigation was the cover-up for what the deep state was doing. Just as the January 6th committee was a cover-up for the Fed direction that we've also talked a lot about on this program, Okay. The Durham investigation that Patricia is asking about that you just don't hear about anymore, for good reason, is also a deep state lever that they've been using because the Durham investigation is the cover-up of the cover-up. Don't hold your breath for anything meaningful to come out of this investigation. It's been ongoing now for, what, two years or something? By the way, we are all paying for this. Nothing, or I should say very few things infuriate me more than paying for our own destruction and paying for the government to lie to us. All of these investigations are paid for by you and me, the American taxpayer. You might want to work a little harder, as I said on Jesse Waters to him this week, because you're footing the bill for all of this corruption, that to me is one of the most infuriating things that I can even process that my hard-earned tax dollars are going for the propaganda to be fed back to me and for all of this corruption to be targeting me and you. It is outrageous and disgusting and infuriating. Don't hold your breath for anything meaningful to come out of Durham. The, the two cases that he has already brought have gone to trial And they resulted in acquittals, not because the defendants didn't do anything wrong. They most certainly did. But the trials took place in the swamp, Washington, D.C., where a Republican hasn't won a case there since, I think, 1974. So the Durham investigation is winding down with no scores because it wasn't meant to score anything. It wasn't meant to hold any of these people accountable for anything. Once you understand that, then you can stop being naive about approaching all of these things. All right. So it's winding down with no scores. I mean, it's still operational, but Biden and the AG Merrick Garland are looking to end it anyway. So that is going to be the end of that. And this is what happens. The cover-ups of the actual crime end, and then there's no accountability Nobody goes to prison. There's nothing. And this is where we are with Durham. I will keep you posted on all of this because technically the Durham investigation continues. But again, this is all a farce. Patricia, thank you so much for that great note. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us as always. All right, guys, that is going to do it for me uh, today and also for the week. Another phenomenal week of Monica Crowley podcast in the can. I am really grateful for you guys. Let me just say that again. I, I just, I appreciate you all listening and telling everybody you know about this show. We are growing. We're building a real community here. And I'm very, very thankful. For that Have the best Super Bowl weekend. Be safe, but have a great, great time. And I will see you right back here on Monday. Um, like I said, next week, series of huge shows. I want to do the Twitter hearings and free speech. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll talk to a new congressman who's America first. Amazing. A major player from Europe who's telling us what is coming down the pike here. And the Hunter Biden laptop OG John Paul Mac Isaac. Those conversations, not to be missed. All right? Great weekend to you, and I'll see you back here on Monday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.